Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. Eighth seed. What eighth seed? The Miami Heat are your Eastern Conference champions. Also, how did the Celtics learn from this series? And do the New York Jets already have buyer's remorse on Aaron Rodgers? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. 150 times a team went up 3-0 in a playoff series in the NBA playoffs, and 150 times that team finished off the series as close as we have ever been to a team blowing it, and then almost immediately it became clear the Miami Heat were not going to fully blow it. 151 and zero now for teams leading 3-0 in an NBA playoff series. A 103-84 beatdown at the Boston Garden, and the Miami Heat are headed to the NBA Finals. Wes Goldberg from Locked On Heat joins me now. And Wes, after a couple... Tense moments for Heat fans to be sure over the last couple of games. Why did Miami look just so much more comfortable for this moment in game seven? Um, the thing I kept coming back to in preparation for this game seven was the Heat have been the better team on balance, even through the first six games of this series, despite having lost the, the three straight games. They were keeping turnovers low. They were making more of their shots. Boston had appeared to have gone cold from three-point range. And when their shots weren't going in, it always felt like their offense stalled, where with the Heat, their, their shots had been going in, but when they don't go in, they still had like plan B and C and other things to get to. And in game six, their shots did go in, but Jimmy Butler didn't have a great game and Bam Adebayo didn't have a great game. And that was the difference for them in this one tonight. You knew that Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo were going to show up. That is just historically what it is that they do. I understand that a lot of people questioned whether or not that you could bounce back from such a heartbreaking way in which game mm. six lost. But this is game seven. Like, I think we sometimes underestimate just how prideful these, these professional athletes are. If it's just one last game, you're going you're gonna to muster whatever it is emotionally. My question is whether or not they had it physically. But um, credit Eric Spolstra for drawing up a scheme, going with some different looks, with different lineups tonight. Got Jimmy Butler open a little bit more. Bam Adebayo was phenomenal with his screen setting and his passing and de- defensively just another masterclass by him. So he's done other ways to, to make an impact in this one. And I think that's just generally where the heat always fall back on is, Hey, when this thing isn't working, we can do other things to make our players and make our team better. Where it just felt like the Celtics, even in this entire series, despite having won the three straight games, it kind of felt like plan a or bust for them. Game six was a historically bad shooting performance for a team to win a playoff game. In, in Game 7, the Boston Celtics shot 9 of 42 from 3. That is 21%. This is a team that lived by the 3 all year. They ultimately die by the 3 in this one. Uh, when you look at this game, was this just cold shooting for the Celtics or was this something else that Miami was doing that was whether enticing them to shoot threes or encouraging them to shoot contested threes? What it, what was the plan here and and, and how was it executed? Um, defensively, Miami, they were switching everything. They were totally in sync. They were on a string. Um, and yeah, they were running Boston's guys off the three point line. They were doing a good job showing help on Tatum's drives on Jalen Brown's drives so much so that they, 
uh, goaded Jalen Brown into turning the ball over eight different times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he he and just looked like he could not dribble all night. It, and you know what? This is a formula that they've used dating back to the last playoffs is, hey, force him to kind of start going east-west a little bit with that dribble. And and you're gonna and you know two or three dribbles down and you're, there's gonna be an opportunity to poke the ball away and that's that's what happened. A lot of those turnovers led to easy points in transition for Miami and that just kind of set up the rest of their offense. They're getting in rhythm uh, early on in this game and then I think on the flip side, Boston just kind of went back to that drop defense that they went to for the beginning part of this series and and Miami just their shooters just came off of screens and stepped right into open three after open three and then. The Celtics did kind of go more towards their switching scheme in the second half, but by then it was kind of already done. The, the Heat shooters were in rhythm, and they were finding other ways uh, to generate the looks that they wanted, whether it's the dribble handoffs or or just kind of attacking those switches off the dribble and getting into the to like that second box in the painted area. Um, you know, the, the, by then I think it was over. So, yeah, just again, credit to the Heat where they were able to – they just. They understood the assignment and they executed the assignment better than the Celtics did four out of the seven games. Stay up to date all year on the Miami Heat by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Heat on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports Today your first listen. Coming up, where do the Celtics go from here? Before we get to that, the NHL is guaranteed to have a franchise win its first ever Stanley Cup. Looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and the calories? Then you need the best tasting protein bar ever. Built. You got to try this because Built Bars are the best. Covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right. Real chocolate. And what's even better is that they're still somehow healthy. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. I eat them almost every day. I evangelize them wherever I go. They are a staple in my house. And now you don't need to go and get a box and wait for it. You don't have to go online and wait. You can go to built.com. But there's this pesky thing called you know, like the space-time continuum and, and all the things that go into the fact that when you buy something, it takes some time for it to travel to you. You could just go to Walmart or Sam's Club and get whatever you want. Just get the bar that you want right this minute. Eat it in the car on the way home. I know, I will not judge you. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Vegas Golden Knights will face the Florida Panthers for the Stanley Cup after eliminating and absolutely dominating the Dallas Stars in a 6-0 victory on Monday night in Game 6 of the Western Conference Finals. It's the second trip to the Stanley Cup Final for both franchises as the Knights played for the Cup in 2018 and the Panthers back in 1996. The Stars were eliminated after trailing the series 3-0 and rallying for two wins. Teams that take a three-games-to-none lead in the Stanley Cup playoffs now have an all-time record of 202-4. No team has ever come back from a 3-0 deficit in the Conference Finals. Vegas will host Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final on Saturday night. The Philadelphia 76ers are hiring Nick Nurse as coach. Nurse's desire to coach MVP Joel Embiid and his history with Sixers President of Basketball Operations Daryl Morey played a significant part in his decision to commit to a deal with Philadelphia. This, according to a report over the weekend. 
Nurse oversaw an aggressive style of defense coaching the Toronto Raptors this season, helping them become the first team to record the most steals while allowing the fewest since the stat was initially tracked in 1973-74 season. The Raptors also led the league in points per game off turnovers while allowing the fewest. Nurse and the Raptors parted ways in April after his fifth season at the helm. He, like Doc Rivers before him, also has an NBA title. On the diamond, the White Sox may have lost to the Angels, but the outcome did not matter as they witnessed a heartwarming return to the mound. The Chicago White Sox lost to the Los Angeles Angels 6-4 on the south side on Monday. Hey, I'm Nick Murawski from Locked on White Sox. Sox starter Michael Kopech, uh, nowhere near as sharp as he was the last previous outings. Four-plus innings, 10 strikeouts, but had some control issues. Uh, Sox offense got a couple home runs in the game. Uh, Romy Gonzalez, Aloy Jimenez went deep. Uh, but the big story is Sox closer Liam Hendricks finally making his way back to the mound after being diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in the offseason. He made his debut on Monday in the eighth inning. Uh, gave up a couple runs, uh, threw some around 25 pitches or so. But, uh, boy, the fact that he made his way back to the mound, what an unbelievable story. White Sox dropped down to 22 and 34 on the year. Uh, they are back at it on the south side on Tuesday against the Angels. For more, check out the Locked On White Sox podcast. And the Cubs were down so bad after being swept at home by the Reds. Marcus Stroman made sure the slide stopped, even with the Rays on the other side. Cubs beat the league-leading Tampa Bay Rays today 1-0 on the back of a Marcus Stroman complete game, one-hit shutout. It was a brutal weekend for the Cubs, which we will talk about on the show, so I'm not going to be overly excited as they got swept by the Reds. But today, Marcus Stroman did what uh, true aces do, and that is come out and be the stopper for the Cubs. And uh, all they needed was a Mike Taupman sack fly in order to win this game. And uh, Stroman, I believe, got the most whiffs in a game that he's ever gotten in his career. So the stuff was really moving today. Control was great. And he has been one of the few, but uh, one of the definite right spots of this season for the Cubs. He will be able to opt out of his deal at the end of this year and become a free agent. So you might hear him come up in trade rumors as the deadline approaches if the Cubs continue to struggle. But the Cubs dominate 1-0. Marcus Stroman's the story. Nothing more than that. Here is another story you need to know. If any team was going to do it, come back from 3-0 in a playoff series, it was going to be this Boston Celtics team against this Miami Heat team having won three in a row. It is a two seed against an eight seed. This was all set up for Boston in game seven at home um, right up until it wasn't. And it was clear from the jump, the shots were just not falling. And then they didn't fall at a ridiculous level, a 39% shooting game for the Boston Celtics, a shade over 21% from three. John Corrales is in Boston shaking his head, hosting Locked On Celtics. And, and John, this was a team that all season, they played the math. They said, we're going to shoot threes and, and we're, we're going to bet that over time we're going to make enough of these to beat you. They didn't in this game. What, what else went wrong for them? Well, you can start with Jason Tatum rolling his ankle on the first play of the game. 
that mm. really uh, put them a bad omen behind. to be sure. That's yeah, yeah. When your star player gets hurt on the first play, that's not great. But you know, this is why you are supposed to close out game two, so you don't put yourself in a situation where it's it's a game seven and and you're you're kind of susceptible to the sprained ankle, the outlier shooting games. So that hurt Jalen Brown. Just, I don't know, eight turnovers. What do you say about eight turnovers from your second best player? So, and then, and then there's the shooting. I think the Celtics, they they could have played better defense. They, they could have, uh, you know, found Caleb Martin. Uh, I, I don't understand how he didn't win the MVP this series, but they, they just made a lot of the same mistakes and it just all flows off of, they they weren't hitting their threes and and then when they don't they try to do too much the other way and they get frustrated and they turn the ball over and they start to foul and it's the same old story for these guys so it, it was they they had chances through three quarters they had it down to eight a couple times in the third quarter plenty of time to make a run and they could just never do it uh, our friend Matt Moore, who who hosts Locked On Nuggets, who I will I will get to talk to a couple times over the next few weeks, had a great stat that um, that that showed the the ridiculous defense variance when when Boston hits shots versus when they don't. It is enormous, both anecdotally and analytically. What do you make of that gap for this team, a team that that's that's the kind of thing we expect of a young team, right? That that says. Okay, when we make our shots, we'll go play defense. This is a team that's been that was just in the finals, that's been to the Eastern Conference Finals seemingly every year. How does that happen to a team like this? Well, they spent all season being an offense first team. And mm. that was a bit of a departure from Ime Udoka last season, who who finally got them to become a defense first team. Uh the offense first is their nature, right? Like it took Ime a few months to get them to fully buy into this is how we're supposed to do it. And in retrospect, if they're if we're going to criticize Joe Mazzula for something, it's that he kind of went back to the offense and went back to the numbers. And I've been saying all season long that he he's a paint by numbers guy right now. He doesn't have the full feel for the game. He just relies on the fact that the team that generally hits the most three-pointers generally wins. But the problem with those statistics is they're over a long period of the regular season mm. and in the playoffs it just seems to come down to the slog, the rock fight, and the Celtics can't participate in that long enough. They can do it for stretches, but they can't do it long enough the way they're built or the way they've been trained to, to kind of get through an entire series and an entire playoff run. Stay up to date all year on the Boston Celtics by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Celtics on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, do the Jets already have buyer's remorse with Aaron Rodgers? The New York Jets had to have Aaron Rodgers this offseason. They gave up a ton to obtain an aging legend at quarterback. Could it be they already have buyer's remorse? Host Tyler Rowland and Alex Clancy from Locked On NFL explain why the Jets may not. But it seems like 
They should. Alex, we're talking about a cantankerous personality here who has been given, you know, carte blanche basically with a new organization that doesn't know him all that well with the time they've spent together so far. Should New York fans and maybe the organization be a little bit worried here that they've given too much power to a guy who you might not trust with all that power? This is like the start of a Disney movie where the antagonist is somebody that's kind of an outlier, kind of an outlaw that comes to this young group of, you know, this school of, you know, high school football that, you know, is rich in history, but has been down on their luck. And, and it turns around at the end and he becomes, like becomes the homecoming king. Spoiler alert, this ain't going to be that. Okay, this is exactly what they signed up for. This is exactly what they knew could potentially happen. And this is exactly the Hurricane Aaron Rodgers that we see coming through East Rutherford, slowly but surely inching closer. This is one avatar of the hundred different selfish avatars that Aaron Rodgers, you know, embodies, depending on the state that he's in, whether he's doing his retreat or trying to decide what he wants to do or playing the victim or asking people about different things. Like, right. I don't feel bad for the jets. They know exactly what they did. It was rational to them to be able to catch lightning in a bottle for one season, maybe two in, in, in an AFC East that showed weakness towards the end of last season with Josh Allen. They see a chance to leapfrog new England to leapfrog, Tua and to potentially leapfrog the the Bills in an effort to completely blow up Orchard Park, you know, or blow up that that roster. So I understand. I think it's a calculated and necessary risk. But anything that you're surprised about coming out of East Rutherford, that's on you because this is exactly what the Jets signed up for, and I think they're happy to do it in an effort to win more games than they lose in 2023 and potentially 2024. I agree. I think we're seeing a desperate team. It is just a couple practices, but there's a reason why there was the percentage kicker in the trade. Why the Jets said, well, if Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of snaps, then it's a first round pick. It's because age and injury go hand in hand. Aaron Rodgers is going to be 40. He was not great last year. Part of that is because he was hurt. He broke his thumb and had a rib injury. This is unfortunately part of a late career trend for Aaron Rodgers. 2018, a tibial plateau fracture. Played almost the entire season, save for, what, a quarter? With an injury. In 2017, he lost half the season with a broken collarbone. The older you get, the harder it is to maintain your body. We're seeing this with LeBron James, who was never hurt ever right up until father time started to catch up with him. Father time, doesn't matter, has been around a long time, still runs a 4-240. He catches everyone eventually. And what this early calf strain, it's not cause for concern yet, but what it identifies is the risk the Jets took in a player who 
clearly did not play as well last year, both before and after his injuries, who now has an even higher risk of injury another year into his career, another off-season, now more off-season work because he's going to be at OTAs in addition to whatever he does off the field. Buyer's remorse? I don't know about buyer's remorse, but it's a great reminder of the risk they took. That said, it could all still absolutely pay off. And finally, speaking of quarterbacks and their injuries, the Raiders knew all about Jimmy Garoppolo's foot. So much so, they had him sign a waiver. You know, like when you go to a Buffalo Wings place and you order the hottest sauce on the menu. Except this waiver could remove any pay the Raiders may owe Jimmy G. The Raiders could terminate Garoppolo's contract for any reason related to the waiver and that Garoppolo will not be paid any of his $22.5 million base salary for the 2023 season unless he passes a physical. I don't know about you, but I've never seen a wing so spicy. I'm willing to risk $22.5 million on it. But I, I haven't seen every episode of Hot Ones, so you know, we'll see. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, who will it be? The Heat or the Nuggets winning the NBA title? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today. <laughs>